Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Highways and Hedges. I'm Will. I'm Joe, and this is episode three. All right. Um, So Joe and I were talking this morning, and I want to ask you some more about it, Joe. So you spent the morning hanging out with a young man you're related to, and he has an interest of being trained for possibly... Would you would you say he he wants to be trained to be a, a pastor of a rural church someday, or how, how would you explain even where this young guy's coming from? Um, I wouldn't say he's definitely wanting to be a pastor. I don't think that he has like an internal sense of calling to that. I think that he has a more general um, love for Christ, and then just in being obedient to Christ, thinks that he needs to um, be a witness to unbelievers as well as like encouraging and strengthening the faith of believers. And so he's driven more by just loving other Christians and so would be willing to teach them if that's the best way to love them. Okay. But doesn't like feel an internal, I need to be a pastor of a church yeah. to, to fulfill this desire. So he has a desire to grow in his faith. He wants to be obedient. Um, and he knows he needs help. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So what would you like to, how would you like to help him? Like what, what can you see you doing to equip him and you also mentioned you've got some other friends who who kind of want to get in on this as well yeah yeah he might um, I'm meeting with him and some of his friends to try to pitch an idea of how I could help equip them in ways that they might not be getting equipped right now the first thing I want to say is that there's some things I can't equip them in um, in starting a ministry I want to help resource to be a resource to local churches, but I can't do what local churches can do. The, so these young guys still need discipled by mature Christian men in their lives. They need their character built and stuff. And I'm not going to presume to do that. That's incredibly important. And I'm just going to maybe help connect them with men that can do that if they aren't connected or encourage them to find men in their local church that can do that. But that's not my focus because I think that that's a job only the local church can do. I do that with the, I try to do that with the men in my church. I want to do that um, with the men in my church. But in this ministry, when I think of trying to help him and his friends, if they have a desire um, to help other Christians grow, then I want to, first of all, put pastoring on their radar. I don't want them to think that that's impossible for them. One reason why that's often not on young guys' radars is because we think pastors have to be really entertaining and have to be incredibly educated and um this uh you know these these guys probably will feel intimidated could feel intimidated by that and not even have pastoring on their radar and what i'd like to put on their radar is according to scripture in first timothy 3 and titus 1 a pastor needs to have godly character be able to teach the truth and be able to refute false doctrine and there's nothing else added to that. So I'd like to give them some skills that can make them see this is not something that's alien to me or out of reach or something that I would have to switch careers to go do. This is something that um, godly men, if God gives them the gift for it, especially the gift of teaching, they can do without being a really funny, really entertaining guy, those kind of things. So when I'm thinking down those lines, I'm just trying to think of what are the the basics of a pastor, especially since most of these guys I know, um, I think they're all working full-time jobs. 
So if I'm just assuming that's going to be the trajectory of their life right now, if they're going to pastor eventually, it would be bivocationally. And so I'm trying to think if a pastor only has five hours a week extra, it would be, and, and he could pastor a church with those five hours. That's all he can give his time to. What are the things that I really want to focus on? And I'm not even going to say I know I've chosen the right approach. But right now what I'm think what I'm going to offer to these guys is um, four areas of training. We're going to do kind of a six-month semester. At the end of that, we'll have um, a preaching practice time where um, different churches will open up their pulpits and let these young guys come in and practice preaching sermons that we've been working on yeah. for these six months. So that's at least the schedule of what I've been thinking about. I'm not sure exactly what you're wanting to know more about. Yeah, Maybe. yeah no, that's, that's really helpful. Yeah, you, you kind of laid out that timeline of kind of having this goal of not not having them ready to pastor a church by any means, but just even getting giving them experience doing that pulpit supply where um, they can have a chance to get up there and, and open up God's word. Um, I, I think that's I think that's really cool. And in, in my own experience of just you know teaching teaching on a campus ministry, you know just just the practice and the repetitions of just ha- doing it is is the one of the most helpful things you can you can do. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a bumpy road getting there. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, it's. I feel like that's that's just so so practical and helpful. And and I, I have to I have to believe that it's encouraging to churches to see younger guys desiring to walk with the Lord, desiring to teach from His Word. And so it's not it's not just you know they're getting in their reps in the pulpit, but also I really think it can strengthen those local congregations as well. Yeah, I think it does strengthen their faith to see young men and not just that they're young but also lay laymen mm, men who yeah. are just members of the church it's right. encouraging to them to see um in many ways probably breaking down that gap for those congregations as well the gap between the ordinary member and the pastor helping yeah. them see like this is just raw love for jesus and a desire to feed his sheep coming out right now yeah. and it's not very polished and it's not professional um so they'll have to bear that burden but there's something refreshing i think to our faith to see these men in the overflow with the volunteer hours or in the overflow of their week are devoting themselves to yeah this service that is that is encouraging i think it's it gives us a a unique perspective on faith that someone who's doing it as a full-time vocation doesn't highlight as much yeah so so give me a snapshot kind of just the demographic of these guys about how old are they kind of what I mean, you say they're working full-time jobs. Yeah. I, I mean, we're we're talking about rural contexts here. So. Yeah. What What do you of the guys that you know or potential guys like? What What is it? Who are they? <laughs> yeah. I don't know all of them yet. I'll meet them um, at the end of this month. And the ones that I know, um, a couple of them help with their parents' farm. Um, one of them's taking college classes. One of them owns uh, a power washing business. One of them um, is a farmhand. Um, some of them might still be in high school that I'm going to meet. Like I said, I haven't met all of them. So they're younger guys. I don't think any of them are as old as 25 yet. So they're, uh, they could be in the college age range. Um, and that's not necessarily the only people that I would like to see Agros, this ministry, serving. But those are the guys that are available right now that I've been introduced to. And yeah. so that's the... Um, yeah, that's the, the age range and the, um, the careers that those guys are in right now. Yeah. 
I, it's, it's cool to hear that because, you know, I, since I do campus ministry, my, uh, kind of my field is pretty much limited to students who are living on campus or attending that university. But it sounds like, I mean, you're, you're trying to find guys who want to be discipled and want to, you know, be spiritual leaders in some sense. And, um, I mean, even if it's just leading, leading your own family or being a witness in your, your community. Um, so, but it's cool that, uh, what you're doing with Agros, it's kind of, it's reaching some of those guys who would, who would not come across the campus path, you know, and as we've, we've kind of talked about before, your desire is to, um, kind of reach and minister in these these contexts that often get overlooked and yeah. you don't want these guys to slip through the cracks. So it's, it's cool to see, um, what you're doing probably has some overlap with, you know, what a lot of other campus ministries would do that, that sort of just yeah. that, that intentionality of mm-hmm. we're going to find people, we're going to invest in them. Um, and you know, just see what God does with them. That's a really so. good point. It's just what it brings to mind is, um, one of the reasons why our society has so much investment in college ministries because we believe those will be the future leaders Mm -hmm. of our world. That's why they're not just Christian ministries, but most organizations for that age target colleges because we think they'll be the future leaders. And it just helps, this helps me highlight what I want to um, do with Agros is find men who are being overlooked because just, just because they're not going to college doesn't mean that they can't be a leader in the church. Yeah. that that's not a, a requirement. So we look for our future leaders with something measurable like a college degree. And that's probably usually true in a worldly sense. Yeah. But um, when Christ gives the gift of pastors to churches, he's, he's telling us in scripture, look for this character and yeah. look for the ability to teach. And those are the men I want lifted up to influence my people. Yeah. And I, I just want to make sure we're not missing any of those guys because they didn't go to college or to, especially to Bible college or seminary when I yeah. help find them and yeah. invest in them. Yeah, cool. Um, is there anything you want to say just kind of on the curriculum that you would like to teach? You're, you said you're kind of trying to pull some stuff together right now. Yeah. I, uh, I think the, the four areas that I, I'd like to work on are um, doctrine, um, discipleship and evangelism, sermon preparation, um, and how to study the Bible. In seminary, we call it hermeneutics, um, homiletics, systematic theology, and then something like practical theology for the discipleship and evangelism. Yeah. And... Uh, since these guys are all working, one of the hard parts of the curriculum is I can't put a very dense amount of material in there. Uh, I'm going to have to do the, the harder work of interacting with them where they're at and helping lead them along um, with whatever time they have. And I haven't figured out all the kinks of how that's going to work. I'd lo- love for us all to meet monthly to discuss the things that we've been reading or listening to and pray together. But some of them, the ones who are farming, are not going to be there during harvest. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's... I, I'm going to have to learn how to adapt to very different schedules. I'm okay with that, though, because I, I don't think that those men are thereby disqualified from um, being invested in, in per- potential pastors. Yeah. Um, so, I think that what we're going to do is read... Uh, I've got a couple of books in mind. I haven't picked all of the books yet. But for Doctrine, I was um, saying today, I think we'll read What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. Because I, uh, there's a lot of doctrine that could be taught um, 
especially if we, we looked at it like a systematic theology course, but these guys are coming from different places theologically, and so I just want us all to say if we're going to create any kind of brotherhood in this group, we yeah. need to know what the gospel is very clearly and agree on that, Yeah. Um, and then let that, let that be the core of our fellowship, and yeah. then as we grow in our other knowledge and other doctrine, we might differ on some of the secondary and tertiary issues, but the gospel is something that we have to agree on. Yeah, so I was thinking absolutely. about that. Um, and then for discipleship evangelism, I just thought we'd work through um, the Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, it's very short, but very practical and also very accessible. His yeah. main focus is just invest in one or two people, yeah. evangelizing them. If they're converted, then discipling them and letting them do that to others. Yeah. That w- someone who's got a full-time job, that makes it a little bit more accessible in their own daily life to just think about who's the one person that I can be sharing the gospel with and investing in. So I haven't thought yet of a great hermeneutics book that would be easy to get through in six months or a great um, homiletics book. Um, I'm going to keep thinking about that because today was actually this morning was the first time I thought of this curriculum approach, but I'm just hoping that we can cover those topics uh, this year. So this is 2021. I'm hoping February through July will be doing training. Probably in there, I also think we'll have at least one day where I ask them to take a whole Saturday off. We'll go to a retreat center or something, maybe just use a church's building. And for eight hours, we'll just do the entire sermon preparation process together Mm -hmm. and then preach our sermons to each other in the evening around dinner. And so I, uh, I just think that kind of hands-on walking through it is going to be, it's going to help the thoughts and ideas stick more than just reading a book or asking them questions about a book. So as long as I can get all their schedules free, we'll try to take a Saturday, just do a sermon prep workshop and hopefully that will make it stick more. So that then in August, when the preaching practice time comes, they'll have at least walked through it one time completely. Um, and maybe even be able to preach those sermons at these churches. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I love that you're starting with the gospel. You, you mentioned earlier that one of the things that a pastor does is has to refute false doctrine, and I've been studying Galatians, and so it's like <laughs> that's a book that's very clear about this is a this is a central um, this is a central doctrine that you you need to understand and you need to know. And, and it's easy to misconstrue it just because of our human nature. Um, we like to we like to have the merit-based system instead of the grace-based yeah. uh, system of the gospel where Christ gives us uh, the grace freely from what he's done. Um, so that's great. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting just, just because college ministry is my context. It's uh, in, on my mind. But do you think that there is... Um, maybe an advantage um how, how do I want to say it? There, there's there's an advantage to reaching guys like this who are in the rural area they're kind of already maybe even already established in what they're going to do um maybe they don't have plans to leave that area is um is that easier in some ways for you to take a long view and think of I can I can work with these guys and walk with these guys lord willing for the next you know 6 10 15 years, you know, I, I don't know if you're thinking in those terms, but campus ministry is so, um, can be so fluid. You can have people transferring in and out, um, at, you know, oftentimes the student's only there for four years. 
So there's just a lot of turnover. Um, I, have you given any thought to that of how that could affect the dynamic? You know, that's a good question. I um, it, I can certainly like off the off the bat see the advantages of having more time because I was in the same college ministry with you for a while and often experienced the frustration of you just feel like you're starting to get somewhere with a junior or a senior and then they graduate and leave and you feel like ah yeah things are just getting good. I can see the advantage. Another advantage when you're thinking of guys who are already working full-time jobs is it's just going to take more time, you know, the, like to try to get all the topics covered that the Bible teaches on that's important for someone to know in systematic theology. My seminary uh, degree took two full classes to cover that, and that was being a full-time student, a lot of lecture, a lot of reading to cover that. Yeah. Um, so having men who are probably going to be more... Uh, stationary in where they live um they'll be close the relationship we have will probably be a long one yeah that that does give opportunities to train men that you know if all we do is get through what is the gospel this year if those guys actually embrace it and they're actually built up in their faith by it, i'm happy with that and then if we start year two next year and we start going through the doctrine of god or the doctrine of revelation I'm okay with it being slow like that because like you said, I'm not really worried. I don't see the clock ticking and thinking these guys are going to be gone in no time. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like if they don't have 10 hours a week to read and study and think they have yeah. one hour a week, I can, I can take advantage of that still because yeah. I don't see them walking out the door soon. Yeah. Well, that's what you mentioned this morning. You just mentioned you're going to have to be patient in this process. And, yeah. um, I have a feeling that six months is going to fly by and you're going to feel like you're just getting started. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, but yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, well, this will probably be a, a brief podcast, but is there anything else you, you just want to say on that? Or, I don't know, any final thoughts? Any ways that people can just even pray, you know, for what you are hoping God does in this ministry? Um, yeah, I the way I was describing it um, to my relative this morning is I want the church as a whole to recognize that we're all called to be instructing one another in the truth. The way Ephesians 4 says it is speak the truth in love to one another, and that's what will make the church mature. And um, we've um, relied so heavily on a, a pastor-only model as the only teacher Um, the people who go get the academic training are the only ones that can teach that we I think have silenced a lot of the the voices that are meant to strengthen that Christ wants all of us like um, Ephesians 4 calls us a body and we're all ligaments and it's when we're working together that the church has matured and so if you're praying for us I do want to find men who would eventually be pastors because I think that that would be a great way to serve churches in our area but even if it's guys that are just they are not, Christ did not call them to be a pastor, but it just opens their eyes to part of my following Jesus and loving him means feeding his sheep. And so if all I can muster is one sentence of the truth and love to someone after church on a Sunday, praise God for that. Let that start growing and becoming a norm in our churches. So yeah, I would love, like that's something that only God could give us. Um, but I'd love for anyone listening to pray, ask, ask God to to, to break down the the fear of being instructors, being teachers, being ones who can speak the truth in love to one another, even caring to know what the truth is. Those are, um, I think, 
so many churches just rely on the pastor to do that and they try to deal with all of the the other parts of ministry and I just love for all Christians to embrace the um the, the role of encouraging one another in the faith and challenging one another and exhorting and admonishing and all those kind of things and if God would use Agros to do that for some of the churches in our area that would be uh, that would be a joy to me yeah I think that's a great word to end with. Thanks, Joe, for your time. Thank you. Mm